Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. I've got a fun guest in store for you today, and I look forward to introducing to you to him in a minute. But first, um, not our quotes of the day from the universe and from Abraham that I had been doing. Those who have been tuning in regularly the last couple of weeks know that I've now switched and I'm now uh, reading just a short segment from my own book, Everyday Awakening, which came out in November. And if you like uh, this little section, you can always get it at everydayawakeningbook.com. All right, so let's see which chapter we have today, which is actually number three. And it's quite interesting, this one, um, because this one I, um, uh, is, a, is a tribute in a way to my dear friend, Jennifer Huff, because she is the one who gave me these words. And it is so apropos that this one happens to be, and again, I'm just doing these in order. I'm not randomly picking them out. Um, that this one happens to be today because I'm very, very, very proud and honored to announce that Jennifer Huff will be joining the network shortly. Um, So Jennifer, this one is for you. Life happens for us, not to us. We have all had a crisis in our lives. And when we do, we feel like the whole world is against us. We can feel powerless in that situation, though nothing could be further from the truth. We can feel like victims. We can feel as if nothing we do makes any difference. The real issue is not what happens. The real issue is our perspective. Our emotions can make us feel that life is happening to us. Actually, life is happening for us. It's a small word, a tiny change in the sentence, yet it makes all the difference. Life happens for us, not to us. So what does that mean? How does changing that one little word help? It means that everything that happens is here to serve us in some way. Maybe we can't see it in the moment, especially when we do not yet have some distance. With time, things begin to look different. Slowly, over time, what seemed like a horrible thing turns out to be our greatest gift. It may be a defining moment in our lives. It may be the very thing that launches us onto our new path. It may be the one thing that completely transforms the trajectory of our future. How do we know? In the moment, we don't. Yet if we approach it with the perspective that it is happening for us, suddenly we find peace. 
We become the calm center in a chaotic storm. Our whole perspective shifts and we are more open to see other possibilities. We are the very person we need to be to see it through. It may not seem like it at the time. It may feel like the greatest challenge we have ever faced. Or perhaps it is just a small inconvenience, like your internet going out. Uh, Regardless of what it is, it is happening for us, not to us. You don't have to believe it. Just try it on. Does it help? Do you feel better? More empowered? Does that perspective serve you? If it does, then why not use it? What's the worst that could happen to you if you do? There is magic in life and greater magic in believing and acting as if it all happens for us, not to us. Are you willing to try it on? Are you willing to test it out? Try living as if life happens for you and see how you feel. And so that um, particular blog post, which I wrote probably about two years ago now, um, came after spending a weekend down in Asheville, North Carolina um, with Jennifer Huff. It was one of the training programs I took with the Evolutionary Business Council. And it, it was wonderful to hear Jennifer talk, and, and especially when she said life happens for us, not to us. And I just felt like something I knew deep inside of me, in my heart, like suddenly crystallized. And, and, and that was just like the beginning of the weekend. The whole weekend was just th- filled with all of these beautiful golden nuggets. So when I came back and I had to write my blog for the next week, I just couldn't think of a better theme to talk about. Life happens for us. And, and this is something that I've coached my own clients on, not in those words, before that weekend, not in those words, but I always talk about because I've seen it in my own life, how sometimes the, the biggest challenges that when we're going through them, they're excruciating, they're so difficult, they're so challenging that, that those moments in our lives that we think are so awful and we can't wait to get through them, we think that they're, they're a mistake, that this shouldn't have happened, that, that, that there's something wrong about this. Yet somehow with perspective, with time, we begin to see how it has shifted us. And to me, many of you have heard me tell my story about how I ended up living with a schizophrenic after college or during college, actually, till after, and how it was really the most difficult six years of my life. And I always tried to keep the perspective that I never wanted to regret what I did, that I never wanted to regret the choices that I made, because I knew that it would help me in some way, but I couldn't see it in the moment. And then years, years, years later, about 11 years ago now, I found out that my best friend from high school committed suicide. And he was so much, we we were so like each other. He was a nice Jewish boy from the Bronx like I was. He had an older brother and older sister, roughly close to the same age that my older brother and sister was. The only difference was, as a kid, as a young man, he never went through that really difficult time that I did. 
and and I didn't know this until actually shortly before he died that he had been suffering from depression most of his life. And and when he was gone, I felt like, oh my God, like there before the grace of God go I. That could have been me. Had I not experienced what I experienced, had I not had the challenges that I had, I could have easily have wound up with an attitude of this is too painful, this is too much, I'm out of here. Yet because of those challenges that I had, because in a very in, in, in a very present way, they put me onto my spiritual path, even though I got off of it for a long time and then got back on it. Uh, that experience has served me in so many ways. So that lesson for me was how life really did happen for me, not to me. So I try and relate that message as much as possible. And now that Jennifer Huff has given me those, the, that phrase, I use it frequently and often, and I love to quote her for it. And I think it's just so apropos considering that you, you all are the first to know that she will be doing a show with us. And I'm really thrilled about that. So she will be joining talking alternative. We don't have a start date yet. We don't even have a name of her show, but she's just like, yes. And I'm like, yes. Okay. Beautiful. Awesome. So, um, Enough about that. I am now really thrilled and excited to welcome to the show uh, author, speaker, consultant, and juggler, let's not forget the juggling, uh, Michael J. Gelb. Um, I'm going to have to find out what the J stands for. Uh, he's the world's, uh, the world's leading authority on the application of genius thinking to personal and organizational development. Michael is a pioneer in the fields of creative thinking, innovative leadership, and executive coaching. His clients include DuPont, Emerson, Genetech, KPMG, Merck, Microsoft, Nike, and YPO. I mean, humongous companies. Michael is the author of 17 books. Oh my God, I just did one so far. I can't believe 17 books, including How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. I love that title. Discover Your Genius, Innovate Like Edison, and The Art of Connection. I love that art of connection too. I like that too. And today we'll be speaking about his new book, Mastering oops, the Art of Public Speaking, which many of you know is a topic near and dear to my heart. So welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Michael. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. Wonderful. And I love that Flash t-shirt. <laughs> it's not Flash. It's my own unique original logo. Oh, really? It, yeah. I, I apologize. It just it looks so much like the Flash. It does. Uh, it Obviously, there, there is a similarity, but this represents the bolt of creative inspiration that uh, is accessible to all of us and is a big part of what I teach and speak about. Wonderful, wonderful. All right, I, I, I want to get into all that, but first I have to know, what does the J stand for? Ah, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, ah, Michael Jeffrey Gelb, got it. Um, so how did you get sort of initially on this track of, I mean, it, it's, it's like you do a few things. It's like public speaking, executive coaching, uh, genius, you know, all about thinking. I, I mean, is this like, how does the human mind work? Was that like one of the things you'd ask yourself when you were a kid growing up? That's exactly what I asked. Uh-huh. How does the human mind work? Because it seemed to me that the world was in chaos and divided conflicted kind of like now <laughs> <laughs> funny how the more things change the more they right. stay the same yeah, right kind of shocking <laughs> but i was looking for 
solutions. Plus it was also, look, I grew up, I was born seven years after World War II had ended and the, the main historical imprint that I grew up with was the Holocaust mm. and the sense of how could there be any meaning in life when something so horrific had taken place. And fortunately, I read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Yes, yes. When I was a book. teenager and that book changed my life. It got me interested in the notion if, if Viktor Frankl could find meaning and purpose in the midst of the most difficult circumstances imaginable, then how can all of us who are blessed with much more comfortable circumstances make life meaningful and purposeful? And the key to that was understanding more about the psyche. My mom was a psychologist. My dad wow. was an oral surgeon. They were affectionately known as mental and dental. <laughs> but because of them, I also grew up with, uh, it never occurred to me to go into business. Mm. I, I only ever thought about something in the healing professions. And I, I found my way to a unique expression of the healing professions. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, just out of curiosity, where did you grow up? I grew up in New Jersey. I was born in Jersey City. I grew up in Passaic and Clifton. Oh, wow. I actually lived in Jersey City for six years. I don't often admit to it. <laughs> it wasn't a very good time. It was, it was before the gentrification and it wasn't a very good time to be in Jersey City. But uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Bronx boy and I'm a native New Yorker. So I always it sounded like you were probably close to the city when you grew up, <laughs> not too far away. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. So uh, it's time for us to take our first break. So um, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, um, I would love to know, like, what got you started in the whole realm of public speaking? And what kind of got you onto the path of writing books? Because 17 books, that, that's quite something. Um, sure. So I'd love to share that with my audience. Okay, Michael? You bet. Awesome. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern time right here on talkradio.nyc and all over Facebook Live. So yes, Facebook Live listeners, if you're catching us live, please uh, put your comments and questions in the comments field. We'll, we'll get them throughout the show. So everyone, please stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday 
at 7 p.m. So tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Inning. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking today with Michael J. Gelb, author of the book, Mastering the Art of Public Speaking. So, uh, Michael, what got you first interested in public speaking? It's not the kind of thing most people uh, go for, is it? Well, we were discussing my growing up in New Jersey, and I had two younger brothers. My family's Jewish-Italian, so... Two uh, very verbal traditions. <laughs> yes. And Dinners also, must have been very lively at your house. Well, you get it. So remember in high school, how they have most likely to succeed or best looking. Well, I didn't win those, but I did win class arguer. <laughs> and two years later at Passaic Senior High School, my younger brother, Ken, also one class arguer. <laughs> so it runs in the family, eh? Right? So here's, you got a picture of this dinner table where everybody's talking at once. If you hesitate for a second, you're cut off and interrupted. So for graduate school, I went, I was in England and I was blessed to connect with a gentleman who was a best-selling author and had just put together the most popular educational show in the history of British television about the human mind and accessing our human potential. And he was also one of the leading public speakers in the world, jetting all over. He was, I used to call him the James Bond of consulting. He'd fly all over the world, first class. And he invited me to Switzerland to speak at a corporate event. Oh, wow. And it was just the coolest thing ever because these people who were twice my age gave me their full attention. Mm. They asked thoughtful questions. They 
applauded when I finished. And then they started giving me money. <laughs> That's the best part, right? <laughs> so I said, you can really do this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been doing it for over 40 years and wow. learned a little bit about it. So that's what I put in the book, Mastering the Art of Public Speaking, is all of the best tips and methodologies that I have developed as a professional speaker for more than 40 years. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I'm, I definitely want to get more into that, some of your tips. So I want to ask you a couple of other questions first, like 17 books. What was the first book you wrote? So. While I was in England, I was training in something called the Alexander Technique, which is a, oh. which is a methodology for developing stage presence. They oh. teach it at the Juilliard School. They teach it at the Royal Academy of Music, the Royal Academy of Drama. It's a trade secret of professional presenters and performers. Oh. So I was involved in a three-year professional training to become a teacher of the Alexander Technique. Oh, that's interesting. I always thought of the Alexander Technique as like a body uh, work modality. Well, it's, if you think about it, your body mind is your presence. Right. So if someone's on stage, whether it's a corporate presentation or the theater or whatever it happens to be, when people are looking at you, they're reading and responding to your body language for better or for worse. Nice. So if you are poised, balanced, upright, the audience responds to you much better. Right. I, I teach this. I, I do a lot of executive coaching these days with CEOs. And just I had this one CEO I was coaching. He was getting ready for a big board meeting, dealing with difficult investors and the founder of the company. And I watched him in a previous meeting get into a bent over defensive posture, uh, kind of making self-soothing gestures in the middle of his. And I said, that, that's whatever you say, it's not coming across because your body isn't consistent with your message that I'm the leader. You can trust me and be confident in me. So I just coached him to be aligned around a vertical axis, have a little smile make eye contact through his Zoom camera <laughs> and avoid the unnecessary gestures. Just keep his hands. And it was transformational. His, wow. He came across what, he, what we got him to stop doing made his presence, his message, his leadership come through in a profound, hmm. powerful way. So... So that that's the that's what Alexander technique teaches. Whether you're a professional actor or a CEO or a professional or even an amateur public speaker, right? So I was training as an Alexander technique teacher, which is by the way how I met that consultant I was telling you about because he ah. was coming for Alexander lessons with my teacher. Ah, ah, ah. he engaged me to be his Alexander technique teacher, which is why he started inviting me all over the world. And I got the chance to be a speaker uh -huh. myself. And I while I was doing that, I, I decided I would write a master's thesis mm -hmm. to help create just more 
more clarity around what this work was, because at the time, people didn't really know all that much about it. It was sort of just a trade secret of theatrical professionals. And since, as you might imagine, I didn't go to medical school or to get my PhD in clinical psychology, my parents were thrilled that I was going to do something academic to express the validity of this. So I wrote my master's thesis and it got published as my first book and it got translated into 16 languages. And I just wrote the 40th anniversary update edition. It's been in print consistently. I still get royalties for wow. years from my first book. And we just, just wrote the 40th anniversary update, which is going to come out in a couple of months as a global ebook. But the, the original book, this is the original book. What's, what's the title book. of the book? Body Learning, an Introduction to the Alexander Technique. Ah, so this ah. is what started it all. And then I also noticed that having written the book, people read the book and invited me to speak. <laughs> so I thought, if I write more books, they'll invite me to speak more. Ah, <laughs> I see, I see. So the writing's all an excuse to get more stage time, eh? <laughs> well, it all works together. Yeah. What I realized is I had simple criteria for writing. Find something that I'm passionately interested in that I believe will help other people. Pretty simple. And I never made a commercial assessment of it. I never thought, write uh, something that will sell a million or make a fortune. Never, that, that was always an afterthought. Well, I, I wanted to do well. I hope it does well. It's nice when it does well. Sure. And, and you know, longevity is a sign of things doing well. So when books stay in print, for a long time, you know that they become something that really helps people. So that was my mission. That was my goal. So the, my first book, Helping People for 40 Years, I'm excited about it, Helping People for the Next 40 Years. And, you know, you mentioned How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. That came out 23 years ago, but wow. it's in uh, 25 languages and it's going strong. It, it's, again, still. Touching people, I get, I get emails from people around the world saying your book changed my life. Somebody wrote me, "How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci gave me everything I always wanted to teach my children, but didn't have the words to say." Ah, oh, oh. all right. So let's. I was I was going to actually be my next question, as I did want to ask you about that book in particular. Um, where did you come up with the title, and what is that book all about? So, I came up with the title partly because of something I'm sure you're familiar with. It's called chutzpah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so when, you, when you did that very nice introduction, you mentioned that I speak for YPO, Young Presidents Organization. Mm -hmm. And I had just finished a talk for them in Washington, D.C. back in the early 90s on creativity and innovation. And I knew they were having one of their premier events in Florence, Italia, my favorite city. Uh... And I really wanted to get invited. And the truth is, Leonardo was one of my childhood heroes. I thought he was the perfect role model for developing genius, creative thinking. And I've always been sharing Leonardo insights in my seminars. Uh, but the head of the Florence program came up to me after my session in D.C. He said, if we invited you to Florence, what would you do? I said, 
How about how to think like Leonardo da Vinci? He said, can you really do that? I said, sure. (laughs) And I made it up in the next six months. And it really resonated. I spoke about it to this group of company presidents in, in Florence in 1994. And they loved it and started inviting me to speak about it all over the world, which I still do. Wow. I thought, you know, I ought to turn this into a book. And so that became the book, How to Think, like Leonardo da Vinci's Seven Steps to Genius Every Day. I see. So it's about how to um, uh, use your t- natural talents and, and be more creative and more insightful? Yes. Well, Leonardo gave specific advice to his students on how to develop their creativity, oh. their full human potential, their consciousness, their mm-hmm. awareness, the mm-hmm. art of living. So I abstracted what Leonardo told his students to do and made it accessible in contemporary language. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Understood. Understood. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, great. I think this sets us up perfectly um, to to delve into mastering the art of public speaking, Uh, but we're going to take a break first. Um, And so when we come back, let's talk about the the genesis of this book, Mastering the Art of Public Speaking, and uh, we'll take it from there. Uh, Facebook Live, I do see Patty from Tucson checking in. Thanks, Patty. Glad you're with us today. So uh, let us know, everybody else. I know there are a bunch of people on the Facebook Live. If you have any questions or comments, please share them. We'll get to them throughout the show. Um, So please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we will be right back after these messages. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, Empower. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. 
You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. So, uh, Michael, you've been speaking for 40 years. You you love it. You enjoy it. Uh, You've written a bunch of different books. Why did you finally decide to write a book on mastering the art of public speaking? Well, actually, I wrote it originally in 1988. In 1988, I published a book called Present Yourself, Captivate Your Audience, with great presentation skills. And I wrote it because my first book came out in 1981. And even though it was a challenging experience to actually translate it from thesis to book, you've just been through it. So it's, it's quite an experience to give birth to that first one. Yes. Ultimately I felt I learned a tremendous amount and I was in the process of discovering my own voice as an author. And I thought, okay, what do I want to, what do I know about that could help other people? And I thought, because at that point I'd been a professional public speaker for about 10 years. And I thought, well, I've learned quite a bit about this and I have a lot to offer. So I wrote a book called present yourself and it stayed in print for 30 years. Mm, wow. But it got the publishing company that originally published it got bought and then it got bought again. So in the course of that time, it lost the publishing sponsorship that it needed. And ultimately, I was able to get the rights back. Ah, okay. So then I went to my new publisher, superb publisher, New World Library. Mm-hmm. And they had published my previous book called The Art of Connection, mm-hmm. which is about building relationships one-on-one with others, which is a key element, of course, of leadership. And I thought once you've learned that, then it's great if you can build that connection with groups of people. So that's public speaking. And I was able to get the rights back to present yourself. And then I thought, let's, I've learned a lot in the last 30 years. (laughs) Yeah, of course, of course. It's really a new book. It's a new book. There's some of the material from Present Yourself, but I've learned, fortunately, a lot in 30 years. So I powered that all into Mastering the Art of Public Speaking. And what what it really is, is now the the art of connection and Mastering the Art of Public Speaking are like a two-volume set. They're really, it could be one major book but instead there are these two very complementary books that are designed to help anyone build their network strengthen your relationships be a more effective communicator be more influential get your message across whether you're a professional an aspiring professional or you just mm-hmm. want to be more influential and effective in your everyday life 
Right, right. And it doesn't really matter like what you do to make a living or, or how you do it. The, the better you are at presenting yourself in public, the more you'll excel in whatever it is that you're working at. One of my clients is a fabulous company based in New Jersey. It's a global company now. It's called Hillman Consulting. Mm -hmm. They do environmental consulting. They help people remediate mold and asbestos and construction risk management. They're a great, great company. They're in uh, the Inc. fastest growing companies in America. And they're constantly named to America's best uh, places, to best workplaces, New York's best workplace, New Jersey best workplace. Fabulous, fabulous company in a very practical material world business but i work with them every month we meet we have the hillman consulting public speaking club oh. because if you're an environmental engineer you train to be a great engineer but in order for our, for hillman to flourish you have to be able to communicate to clients you have mm-hmm. to be able to inspire our engineers internally and get them aligned to get the job done so we, we teach the art and mastering the art of public speaking to people who may never be speaking to big groups or on big stages, uh, but who just want to get their message across to the workers on a job site, for example, or to right. get clients to engage us so we get the business. So the principles of effective communication are the same, whatever the context Right. And a lot of it also is about how we feel just about ourselves, that when we develop that skill, I know for myself, I first started doing public speaking when I was in college, a friend invited me to a meeting of the speech and debate team. And I loved the coach. He was just this fun guy, Fran Giordano. I still remember him, loved him. And I started doing it just because I wanted to hang out with him. And it, it grew. And when I graduated, it's really interesting that it's an engineering group because I joined a Toastmasters group after I graduated college called the Abasco Toastmasters from this company, Abasco, that used to meet on the 96th floor of World Trade Center many, many years ago. And they were an engineering company. Um, But the people who came to the group were, because I was working downtown at the time, you know, were all people kind of in the area. It wasn't just for people at the company. So it's kind of funny to hear that. You don't don't think about engineering companies really being that interested in public speaking usually. Um, So I want to bring things kind of up to date because many public speakers I know, speakers and trainers, a year ago, their world got completely upended and disrupted. I know many people who were very successful at doing live, in-person, either events, training, speaking to audiences, and suddenly that went away. No more in-person speaking. So how can we take the principles in your book and now apply them like to speaking to this little tiny screen and this little tiny camera? How do we... How do people learn to adapt and adjust to make things more appropriate for this new environment? Well, like you said, it didn't happen to us. It happened for us. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? So, because so, that was me. I mean, I had uh, programs booked all over the world. And over the years, I've made a lot of money as a professional speaker in cancellation fees because I always put that in the contract. Ah. But this was a force majeure. So no right. cancellation fees. This was all of that 
gone. I have not been on a plane for the longest period in my adult life. It's now 14 months. Wow. And I was blessed because I'd already set up way before the pandemic, I'd set up executive leadership coaching on Zoom. So I was working with my clients one-on-one on Zoom. And really about a year ago this week, I had been scheduled to teach a two-day seminar for the Masters of Science in Management program at the Gabelli Business School. Okay. But the campus was closed down. All right. So the professor who organized that and I did it on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And we did two eight-hour days back-to-back. And we started engaging people in the chat. And we had them unmute themselves and talk. And we just made the transition and I've, I've been doing it ever since I taught a, I taught a class yesterday uh, to uh, honor students at, at Gabelli. We had a fantastic time. So the other, the other thing that was a blessing was that before I sent in the final manuscript of mastering the art of public speaking, it was evident that there was going to be this shift to these virtual modalities for the foreseeable future. The good, so I went through the whole book and I read it. How do I translate this to people who are attempting to figure out how to present in a virtual modality? And the really good news is I did not have to change anything uh-huh. except to say that everything in the book is even more important. Wow. It's if you're if you're two-dimensional, it's even more important. So one of the things I teach you if Let's say you're about to go give a keynote. The biggest mm-hmm. keynote I've given live is 9,000 people. Wow. Awesome. Okay. So, and before that presentation, I, I get into that hall. And before anybody walks in, I, I stand in the center of the stage and I extend my sense of presence mm. and a sense of loving welcome to all the people who are going to come into the space. And I really tune into how I can help them the most in the time I have with them. Well, I do the same thing when I'm, mm. I did a webinar jam with people from Australia, Singapore, Europe, the West Coast, all over. So I just tune into people all over the planet. And you just do it in your imagination, do it energetically. If you want to think about it as spiritual, that's fine too. But whatever way you want to think about it, just do it because then people sense that you're there to help them, that you're caring, that there's a purpose and a reason for the time they're going to spend with you, that you're not just there as my grandpa Jack used to say when he worked in the rag trade in the Lower East Side of New York. You're not there to sell them a bill of goods. You're there to make their lives better any way you can. Right. And, and, and if that's not why you're doing what you're doing, then do something else. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We're not here to sell schmatas, right? <laughs> All right. Um, I have a million questions for you. What I'd love to do when we come back, um, especially since, you know, I run this network. I told the other hosts, hey, you want to tune into this show today? So to maybe give us some tips of how to be our best when we're presenting to other people. Um, I just see on the Facebook Live, Patty says, 
that she used humor to catch the attention of cos um, uh, cosmetology students ages 17 through 40. Um, so using humor is always a good idea. She says, I always feared public speaking, especially when lobbying. Yeah, she's very active. So um, it's interesting, right? Many people, they say that uh, we are more afraid of public speaking than we are of like nuclear war and death. <laughs> yeah, well, it, so what that means is it's true in the book of lists, public speaking is the number one fear. Death is seventh on the list. It means the average person would rather be dead and buried in the casket than have to give the eulogy. But right. If you put it to you that way, you'd give the eulogy. I'd much rather give the eulogy, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, some great tips on uh, learn from his 40 years. Um, we're talking with Michael J. Gelb, author of the new book, Mastering the Art of Public Speaking, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift educate, empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. So, Michael, in your book, you have such chapters as In Order to Flow, Think Like a Pro, uh, Empathize with Your Audience, Use Mind Maps, uh, All Businesses Show Business, Cultivate Your Body Language, and I love this one, If the Buddha Gave Sales Presentations. <laughs> so, so tell us what you see as the biggest tips for people who 
do this kind of stuff for a living or who have a podcast or do a show or anybody who's using their voice in some way, what do you see as some of the biggest uh, things to be aware of? Well, it's all of those things. (laughs) And we'll start with one of the simplest, most actionable tips from the book that can change everything because people want to improve their body language. They want to improve the clarity of their speaking, the sonorousness of their voice. They want to interact with and connect to the audience and use humor and engage. Yet there's one fundamental that makes a tremendous difference to your ability to do all of that. And that is to be really clear about why you're speaking to them. (laughs) To be really clear about what is your message. Right. And to frame your presentation in terms of the effect you wish to have on that particular audience. And then to translate your thinking about intention to three things that you will write down before every presentation or podcast. What do I want the audience to know specifically? How do I want them to feel? And what do I want them to do as a result of my presentation? So notice that we're focused on the audience. People get into trouble when they focus too much on themselves. It's not about you. It's about them. So who's the audience? And what do I want them to know specifically? And the guidance there is the classic acronym KISS, keep it simple simple. speaker, Ah. keep it simple speaker. So don't attempt to cover 137 fine points. One, what's the one thing you want to make sure they remember? Maybe three things, maximum seven things. That's it. Nobody's going to remember more than that anyway. So if there's one thing at the end of the session, you want them to get, What is it? Write it down. How do you want them to feel? Because people buy on emotion and they justify with that. So focus on the heart. Emotions are contagious for better or for worse. So what do you want to spread? And then specifically, what do you want them to do or stop doing as a result of your presentation? And when you think those things through and write them down before every presentation, it organizes your nervous system. You don't get distracted. You don't get as nervous. You don't say, um, ah, blah, 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 as much. You're focused because you know why you're doing it. Right, right. Perfect. And, and it's so interesting because when I ever, whenever I see somebody doing a show, a podcast, a talk, I can always tell when they're not focused on the audience because you notice the audience starts to drift. I start to drift. I get uninterested in what they're saying 
because it's not relevant to me or to them. And so I love that idea of uh, what do you want them to know? What do you want them to feel? And what do you want them to do to really be so focused on your audience? And I've coached many people in the past, how, especially when they have a co-host, when they do a show with someone else, that the host and the co-host, they start talking to each other about things they find interesting, but the audience could care less. And then it becomes something like you, you feel you're listening in on someone's phone conversation and it doesn't have any relevance to you. So it's always about the audience. Where, where do you want to take them? What do you want them to know, feel, do? And part of finding the right kind of audience for you is finding a balance between what you would spontaneously get passionate about in talking to a co-host that an audience would find helpful for them. So I'm a home chef. Ah. And I've been cooking for years. I'm also passionate about wine. And really, every single night for the last year, I've cooked an amazing dinner and <laughs> had a great wine because there's nowhere else to go and nothing else to do. Right. But pre-pandemic and as soon as things open up, we'll go back to having dinner parties, which we love uh. to do. And my guests... I, I know they're not just being polite because they, they ask when they can come back. <laughs> they wave about the food and the wine. So but I, I cook what I like to eat. Right. I cook what I like to eat. I tune in to, I have gustatory and olfactory vivid memory and the ability to project what it's, it's going to smell like and taste like and look like. And I check it against what I know I'm going to love. And then the only modifications I make from there is, okay, does anybody have a dietary concern? Mm, like mm. My wife doesn't like things as spicy as I do. So then I say, uh, okay, that's what I would do. But then I'll ramp down the spices a little bit. And this person can't eat whatever it is people can't eat these days or whatever. Okay, I'll take that out and I'll add this in. But basically I'm cooking for myself in a way that my my guests rave about because right. it's unique. They're not I'm not following somebody else's recipe. Right, right, right. That's what you do as a speaker. You're mm. you're being true to yourself. Right. But always in reference to the audience. So if you come to my house for dinner, I am watching. I actually watch to see, you know, do you finish it? Do you ask for seconds? Uh, Are you being polite? Because I always <laughs> believe you should never lie about food. It's too important because if right. you cook something for me and I don't like it and I, and I lie and tell you it's great, you might make me eat it again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this, there's this dynamic interplay between it's ultimately for the audience, but it, Ultimately, if it's if it's working, it's a reflection of your own sensibilities and what's important to you and the marriage between what you care about, what's important to you and making that relevant to other people. And the recipe for doing that in a presentation is tell stories, stories. ask questions, get them engaged, 
use examples they can relate to and make it make it fun beautiful beautiful so true so true true and lately today this whole idea of authenticity and vulnerability is so important and if you're not making it relevant to who you're speaking to what's the point nobody cares i have to ask you since you brought up the the wine and and i I imbibe once in a while. I'm not a big drinker, but I noticed you have a book titled Wine Drinking for Inspired Thinking. <laughs> so I had yes. to ask you about that. Sure. Well, and we only got like a couple of minutes left. So, so okay. let's keep it short. Over 40 years of leading seminars, giving presentations to groups around the world, they always ask me, can you take us through some sort of team building exercise? And if I asked them what they've done, they said, well, we went on a ropes course or we did fire walking or, well, that's all fine. But I've led wine tasting as a team building exercise for my clients for decades. And they just always loved it. So I wrote a book about it. Oh. Wine drinking for inspired thinking, uncork your creative juices. Ah, oh, nice, nice, nice. Cool. Okay. Last question before I, uh, of the night. I, I asked you about it before the show, but I figured we should end that way. That symbol on your shirt. Okay, yeah. so it's not the flash. What is it? Where did it come from? <laughs> this is the spark of creative imagination. It's that aha, that lightning bolt of attuning to a truly breakthrough idea. Hmm. And that's a big part of what How to Think Like Da Vinci is about. A lot of my work is about helping people access that spark and fan the flame so that they can really live a life that expresses their greatest passion and make a difference in the world. Cool, cool. Okay, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show today. If people want to learn more about you, get in touch with you, where can they find you? MichaelGelb.com, that's G-E-L-B. MichaelGelb.com is probably the best place to start. Wonderful, wonderful. And I highly, highly recommend this book. We, we like barely, barely scratched the surface, Mastering the Art of Public Speaking. You can find it on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. I think bookstores all over the place, right, Michael? Well, they, if they go to michaelgill.com, go to the link for books and all of my books are there. Ah. There's a lot of free stuff, free videos, free articles, and you can order all the books and all the videos and all that cool stuff. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Michael. I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to come on the show today. Really a pleasure to meet you and to have you on the show. And uh, if you ever make it back to New York City, let me know. I'd love to get together with you. That'd be great, man. Thanks so much. Right. Cheers. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you, my loyal listeners, for tuning in every week. If you enjoyed this conversation, uh, please share it with other people. Uh, spread the word. We're all over um uh, apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify um google play amazon music and a bunch of other small podcasting apps stay tuned coming up next it's uh, uh ken foster with his show voices of courage filed later this evening uh ken uh graham dobbin with his show mind behind leadership and of course a whole big uh, block of friday business shows tomorrow starting at 10 a.m eastern time all the way to 2 p.m thank you all for tuning in we will talk to you next week
listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you listeners looking to boost your business. Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.